Wealth Within offers a range of investment and educational services to help you secure your financial future. Whether you're an aspiring trader or simply want to increase the strength of your portfolio, Wealth Within are dedicated to maximising your investment returns. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Um, it's been a little while since I've done a podcast and uh, I thought I'd start out by doing one for this year on uh, on an article that was actually in the Australian Financial Review on Wednesday the 22nd of February. I've had it for about a week and and uh, I thought, geez, I've got to do a podcast on this because it's quite interesting and it was in the portfolio section and it's written by uh, John Was- Wasik. Um, I think that's how you sp- spell it. If it's not, please excuse me. And it's called Investing by Instinct, Not to be Trusted. And it quotes some research on uh, behavioral finance and uh, or behavioral economics. And it's stuff that I've talked about before, but it actually this article actually backs up some of the things that I've talked about about you know why people trade and what mistakes they're making and why they make things. So it sort of covers some of the areas of some of the other podcasts I do. But I thought it was quite interesting. And I'll, I'm going to read to you from the podcast uh, from the article, and then I'll, I'll give you some of my comments as well as we're actually going through. But it starts out by saying people's intuition is often wrong when it comes to investing. Now we all know that, uh, and that's why you know especially with share trading is why ninety percent of traders actually don't really make any money because they they invest or trying to invest or trade from intuition rather than solid knowledge. The article goes on, we often buy or buy when we should be selling or focus on red herrings. So are there ways to overcome these tendencies? After a flood of research in the growing field of behavioral economics, we know that the answer is yes. Although doing this right thing with money involves recognition and discipline. So recognizing what you're doing and then the discipline to actually enact what you should be doing or doing it properly uh, or taking an educated approach to it. I believe this is what it, it's probably more saying that. Um, the many tenets of prudent financial decision making can be found in the work of Daniel. Now, this is a really hard word to say, guys. Kahneman, um, I hopefully I've said that one right, and his acolytes professor, Kahneman's best selling book, Thinking Fast. And slow opens up a new, some new vistas on human behaviour that can be applied to our worst investing mistakes. Now, Kahneman, a psychologist, a psychologist who won a Nobel Prize in economics uh, in economic science in two thousand and two, two, sorry, two thousand and two, has turned classical economics on its head. In many ways, noting that it is folly to engage in day trading or to think you have an advantage in picking securities. Well, to, for the large degree, I, I tend to agree with him in terms of, uh, I've long said day trading really doesn't make that much money. And the reason why I say that is because most people attempt to do day trading with very little knowledge or experience, and that's why they fail. So while I, on a global level, on a big picture level, I agree with his thinking, but then there's also, there's also, um, Things that go counter to what you're saying. So educated traders and experienced traders should be trading well and do have an advantage in picking securities where the majority that try it don't. And so I agree with him there. And it's sort of like some of those ads you see on TV, you know, with the big managed fund saying, you know, if you bought them here and you didn't, you know, if you weren't in the biggest days, the market was rising, you know, then, you know, your return will be less. But they also don't say that if you went in the market on the biggest days it was falling, your return would be more. So there's always a counter argument to things. But I'll keep going on and, and talk a little bit more about the article. 
Um, and so he said, investors don't always act in their own best interest and are constant, constantly led astray by emotional motives and cognitive errors. He said, overconfidence is a bugaboo. People have little idea, by and large, of the investment world. Again, totally agree with it because most people take the easy way out or they don't want to know what they're doing. They guess what they're doing or they might read an article or they practice herd mentality where they follow what other people are doing thinking, well, if they're doing it, maybe I should be doing it too. But you need to do your own research because maybe they're doing the wrong thing. Um, and that's really where I think a lot of people do make big errors. And that's why I agree with him. And um, uh, Kahneman, the psychologist, said they are convinced that they have an advantage. So it's almost like the, the Chinese whispers. And at the moment where you know we've had the whole... Um, Rudd versus Gillard thing and uh, the vote on that. And I heard this morning that uh, the, the Prime Minister, Ms Gillard, actually won uh, in a landslide. But to me, when you're listening to the politicians, it's sort of like, well, one person doesn't like Rudd, so they convince everybody else that they don't like Rudd. And it, it just didn't make sense to me that, it, you know, to stay with a Prime Minister that the public don't want. You know, if 75% of Australians don't want her as a Prime Minister, then why are they voting her leader of the party? It just doesn't make logical sense but because they're you know it's like that herd mentality again you know like one person in a schoolyard can affect kids around them to not like somebody else uh, and that sort of thing's happening so we get this all the time and we get it in the investment world we get it in politics we get it in you know schoolyards we get it in work we get it all over the place so anyway let's keep moving on so one of the most common errors investors commit he has found is making bad decisions simply because of the overriding fear of loss and, and again i've talked a lot about this before now, as an important concept of the so-called prosperity theory, he pioneered his research um, with some guy called Amos Zversky, who died in 1996. And he says, investors will also anchor to a target price for security for arbitrary and irrational reasons after holding the stock long after it should have been sold. I get that a lot. And, and I know last time I was on Sky Channel a couple of weeks ago, you know, somebody said to me, I'll, I'll you know, I want to sell it at this price. I go, why? And, they, and they, every time I ask something like that, I mean, that gentleman couldn't give me a solid answer. He just said, I don't know, that's the price I want. And people set prices on stocks all the time or when they're getting in, when they're getting out. And to me, it's, it's if it's rising, stay with it. If it's falling, get out. Simple as that. Um, don't set price targets. And I know I talk about that in my diploma of share trading course. I say to people, don't set your price targets because it will make you broke. It's the opposite of what you should be doing. And the, and the golden rule of, wealth, rule of wealth creation is let profits run, cut losses shorts. And if you're setting profit targets for yourself, more than large, you're falling into what this gentleman's talking about in this article here. So he said, instead of portraying investors as I idealize rational beings who always act in their best interest, which is often uh, interest, which is often the case in standard financial economics, behavioral econ economics casts them as normal people who chase biases that have little connection to the statistical truth or the right thing to do. So basically, he's saying they're uneducated. Um, I'll go on a little bit later in the article. He said one cognitive bias is called. Faulty framing. Now, say you buy a stock at a certain price and it plummets, you're reluctant to sell it because of the emotional distress of taking a loss. Because if it's a paper loss, you hold it in a protected mental account as something that still has hope, even though the market has decided otherwise. Huge, huge flaw, and that's why I often say to people, cut losses short, let's profits run. And people will hang on to stocks that are losing 30 40 50%, and they store it in that mental bank account that he's talking about, or he calls it, I mean, I call it bank accounts, a mental bank account. He talks about it as a, um, you know, uh, a mental account, and I call it a mental bank account because it relates it more to money. But he's saying that people will happily take that losses and, but not realise that loss. 
simply because there's that hope of it coming back and you're not losing money again. To me, what you're losing is opportunity. If you're in a stock that's going down, you can't be one going up. It just uh, to me, I'd rather get out of stocks that are falling away and buy ones that are coming are going up. Now, here are some other common errors researchers have identified. Misreading short-term results. Uh, regarding what happens in the short term as a predictive of the future outcome is a frequent mistake. For example, when an investor views last year's strong performance as a sign that the manager's hot streak will continue, most good runs are a matter of luck, he said. Now, well, I don't think they're a matter of luck. I, I, I agree with what he's saying because most people look at the best performing share last year or the best performing managed fund last year and then get into it and we were bombarded with advertising on it you know fund manager of the year in 2011 oh geez i better go with them but the runs already happened they've already made the money so to me you look at what's going down for opportunities to buy because eventually they stop going down they start going up again so it's practicing a contrarian move another one is trusting gut instinct intuitive insights have proved to be consistently unreliable as a basis for particular for picking profitable investments. Now, taking the outside view on mistrusting your intuition. The same again. To me, you can't be intuitive with shares. It's knowledge and experience. Once you've got knowledge and experience, then you get that gut feel. You just know because you're reading the chart, you're seeing what you're doing, you've got the solid strategies. And so you can trust that. But to me, it's knowledge plus experience gets you consistent results. Uh, another one is called reacting to outside events. No doubt the, Z- the Euro Eurozone mess Debt problems in the United States and other world calamities are threats to global investing, but such problems often evolve too much information to process. Again, overload. Investors need to make decisions one at a time in a manner that corresponds to their own goals. There's very little relation to the importance of problem, problems and the time we spend about thinking about them. Now, to me, it's, again, it's one of those things is there's information overload, and I, and I see this all the time with investors. They're searching every website. They're going to all the different places to get all this information. But how do you disseminate that to what's good and what's not good, what's, you know, what's rubbish and what's leading you astray, and what's affecting your decision? Because we all get affected by other people's biases all the time. And I know at times when I say something about a stock, um, we might get phone calls about what I said and, and it's totally opposite of what the person's picked up of what I've actually said because they've picked up on one small little minute bit of it and they've gone down the wrong path and I think we do that with our own biases. So it's about pulling back and saying, okay, what is good information? Who do I need to listen to and what do I need to put into practice for myself? And to me, that you can only do that with knowledge and understanding. The more information, more information doesn't make it better. It just means more information. But to me, I'd rather pick a little bit of information that's very reliable and really solid and stay with that. Now, later on down the article, and I'll finish up with with this, is that uh, this professor, this Kahneman, and statement have found amateur investors get into the most trouble when they start actively trading, a situation in which they have real no real advantage. Well, I tend to disagree with that, but also agree with it. I agree that most people who get into trading shouldn't actually be there because they don't, again, have the knowledge and experience. So therefore, they don't have an advantage, but educated investors do. And an educated trader does. And we prove it time and time again. Those with the right education and the right experience actually do have a distinct advantage in the marketplace. So on the one hand, while I agree with his research, given probably who he actually did in, um, interview or the research, but if you'd actually interview educated traders, we'd get different results. Now he goes on to say they are likely to lose money. Several studies have shown in every trade there is an idiot. Statement says, if you don't know who it is, it's you. Now, pretty powerful statement. 
Um, and and to some degree, again, he's right because obviously if you're trading, somebody else is buying or selling the shares that you're buying or selling. So there's always some counterparty. And if you don't know your own limitations and what you're doing, then it's probably likely you. Now, while Stillman does not begrudge investors the thrill of trading, he suggests limiting the activity. It may be all right to play the market, he says, as long as it won't imperil your retirement, which happens a lot of times. People will, you know, defeat their retirement because they're trying to trade too much. And again, as I said, they're trying to do it the fast and easy way by not getting the right education and experience to do it properly. So they do it to levels they're not really qualified to do so. So most behavioural economic economists, if I can say that correctly, are wary of active management, which applies in buying managed funds and other vehicles where professional managers trying to time the market condition. Statistically, uh, in my research how to, um, for my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%, I've proven the fact that active fund managers generally don't outperform or they outperform a little bit the passive fund managers or the buy and hold buying an index type managers because active fund managers pay higher fees and in downturns and other types of different markets they tend not to outperform them but they do a little bit but it's not really um, really worth the effort whereas when you go to individual traders whole different ball game again again an experienced and educated trader will definitely outperform this sort of stuff all these these active fund managers are totally um, are confident in actually saying that he goes on to say, most, as I said, uh, most behavioural economics are aware of active management, which applies to buying managed funds and other vehicles where professional managers are trying to time market conditions. Now, further on, he says, even the best stock pickers failed to foresee the consequences of the 2008 financial crisis. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I knew, you know, there's plenty of uh, information out there for our people. I knew the market was going to fall. Maybe I didn't know how far it was going to fall or how long it was going to fall, but I knew it was going to be a big fall. And that's documented. And I, and I know a lot of other people did pick it up. But in majority, he's correct because a lot of people didn't foresee that. Maybe they didn't want to see that. And this is in addition to the shortcoming most investors share, the failure to anticipate and prevent damage from the worst case scenario. Now, I think the active words here is, is fail to anticipate. Yeah, maybe we can do that. But prevent the damage from a worst case scenario or situation. Now, to me, that's where your stop losses come in. If you, To me, it doesn't matter where the market rises or falls, as long as you protect the downside or minimise downside risk. And that's the one thing I push through in my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. That's one thing I teach traders, is let the upside worry about itself because I've never been anybody who's ever bought a share and worried about it going up. It's only when it goes down. So if you protect the downside and let the upside happen, then you're going to be much safer. So this is where rules and education and experience all coming into it. So... Um, and to me, this is where you need to really, really look at your investing and trading and say, well, okay, what's my purpose? Have I got a plan? Do I have the right education? Do I have the experience to go and do it? So there's some excellent points in this article. And as I said, it's in the Australian Financial Review. It's called Investing by Instinct, Not to be Trusted. It's written by John Wasik. And uh, it was on Wednesday, the 22nd of February. So uh, I'm sure you can go to the FinReview website, um, which is www.afr.com. Um, and just Google that and be able to read the full article yourself. I've read about half of that, maybe two-thirds of that for you. But to me, it's spot on with a lot of things that I, I talk about all the time with our um, traders and also investors and people I meet and when I do presentations. And, and obviously, you only have to watch Sky Channel once when I'm on or Janine's on. And, you know, this is the sort of stuff uh, where he's getting his research from because that's normal so what he's talking about is what most people generally do. But to me, if you want to, if you want to have what other people don't have, then you've got to do what they don't do. 
and that's by, as I said, by getting good education, getting some experience and knowing what you're going to do. Um, I'll wrap it up here. Um, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. hope you've enjoyed this article and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Take care. Talking Wealth was brought to you by Wealth Within. To learn how you too can maximise your investment returns, call 1300 Share Trade.